Conspiracy to kill a 20-year-old Californian who went to Pakistan. 20-year-old John Walker. An American John Walker Lynn's spiritual journey began in Marin County, but took him thousands of miles away. The so-called American Taliban. John Walker Lind is set to be released from prison next month. He was He's 38 now, and in just days, the man who became known as the American Taliban will be released from federal prison after serving 17 of his 20-year sentence. Today on Fifth and Mission, the American Taliban. In 2001, the arrest of a 20-year-old Marin County man in Afghanistan captured the country's imagination in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. His name was John Walker Lind, and he was with Taliban forces during a prison uprising that killed a CIA officer. Now he's set to be released from prison. I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor of The Chronicle, and I'm joined by reporter Kevin Fagan, who followed the case from the beginning. We'll talk about the tension over whether Lynn was scapegoated or whether he got off too easy and shouldn't be getting out now. What is Lynn's mindset? And will he return to Marin County? All that right after this. Kevin Fagan, thanks for returning to the show. Oh, so happy to be here. So, Kevin, you are joining us today because of a story that a lot of people will remember that unfolded in the days after the 9-11 attacks. Some people won't remember uh, a young man from Marin County named John Walker Lind. Yeah. What happened back old. then? I, 20 years old, he had become a convert to Islam. Uh, at, at the age of 16, he read the autobiography of Malcolm X. He'd been a hip-hop guy until then, just a Marin County kid. He decided Islam was the path for him. So he joined a local mosque. One thing led to another. He went over to, to Yemen. He wound up in Afghanistan studying the Quran. Before you know it, he's sucked into one of the training camps, meets Osama bin Laden, who he didn't think much of, by the way. And he winds up fighting with the Taliban when America invades. And the reason uh, you're writing about this now is because uh, John Walker Lynn is about to be released from a prison in Terre Haute, Indiana, mm -hmm. obviously raising a lot of controversy. I want to ask you about that later, but I do want to stick with this, uh, what happened in 2001. First of all, describe, the, describe what was going on in the world at that time. I mean, this was late uh, in 2001, just two months after the attacks. Yeah, it was it was a sensation. You and I were here covering, you know, terrorism and the war and 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 remember acutely what a sensation this was. He was the first American captured fighting for the jihadist forces. Uh, and that just puzzled the heck out of everyone. Uh, and especially the fact that he came from Marin, hot tub city. Bush even made some crack about that. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he. Uh, it made no sense. His father had worked for the Reagan administration. He was a corporate lawyer. His mom was a peace-loving Buddhist. Uh, and you get this. And the, the images we saw, the America first saw of John Walker Lynn were of him on a gurney shot at a mud-walled fort in Afghanistan saying, I am a jihadi. It, I have taken this cause into my heart. Well, that just sent everyone through the roof. They thought, yeah, this he, guy's fighting us. And the pictures, he was filthy. Yeah. You know, his clothes, his face, his hair. It was really hard for people to sort of understand what had happened. Yeah, very soft-spoken, but he looked like the Unabomber. 
it was it 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 made a an instantly terrible impression on everyone who saw it. And the Bush administration, uh, which had not caught Bin Laden by then by any means, and Laden Bin Laden was going to be caught for many years, they made a thing out of him. He became the punching bag. He became the emblem of anti-American traitorism, uh, uh, ideology. Uh, it all got poured into his basket. And, and the danger of what people saw as as radicalism. Absolutely. Which after 9-11 was was so uh, foremost in people's fears. Yeah. And it was it was a real it was a it was a it was a terror of terrorism that our people would go over and fight for the people fighting against us. Uh, Hillary Clinton called him a traitor. Uh, mayor Giuliani, who was then known as America's mayor because of the the what he did during 9-11, uh, said he should be put to death. It was it was a lynch mob mentality across the country. Okay, well, let's talk about his capture. What was going on at that prison? Uh, he was fighting for the Taliban, correct? Yeah. Um, what happened at that prison? What do we know about what he's charged with and uh, and what he did that day in the death of a CIA agent? Well, he was he was on the front lines of a battle uh, with the Northern Alliance, which was our pals in Afghanistan. And we had decided that we hated the Taliban after having supported them just several months before the 9-11 attacks. And uh, Lind, according to court testimony, dropped his rifle and ran. He didn't really realize what being a jihadi really meant. Uh, but he gets captured by Northern Alliance soldiers, stuffed into a fort with about 400 Taliban fighters, and a revolt breaks out. Uh, hundreds of them get killed. Uh, Lind winds up in a basement uh, with a bunch of others trying to stay alive. The uh, Oh, let's see, the, uh, the Northern Alliance and I believe American special forces who were helping tossed grenades down there, fire. They, they, they eventually flushed them out and Lind took a bullet to the leg. Along the way, there is footage of Lind being questioned by a CIA operative named Mike Spann. And Spann wound up dying in the, the tumult that happened around the revolt and, and fighting back and forth. Um, uh, that became an issue later on. But while the mess was being cleaned up, there was a CNN crew there that caught some footage of Lind on a gurney, uh, shot, disheveled, filthy. I mean, he'd been in a basement with fire and grenades and, and, and through a, uh, a fight uh, saying that he was a jihadi. And that's what people, that was their first image out of the box of that guy. So what is he charged with and what does he end up convicted of? He got charged with terrorism charges, fighting against America, uh, uh, you know, going overseas without proper permission and in that he joined a, a jihadist group. All of that got dropped. Uh, what he eventually got convicted of was providing support to the Taliban under the economic sanctions that had been installed by the uh, United States and for carrying a gun for the Taliban. So the terrorism charges were all dropped, and that's what he got nailed on in the end. And that was a year later. But in, in, the, in the next few years, a lot of people would be charged with supporting what we consider to be a foreign terrorist organization, correct? Absolutely. And most of them drew sentences of three to five years. They did their time. They got out. Including ISIS, including yeah. the Taliban. Yeah. And 
As a matter of fact, uh, Lind, I believe, has one of the longest sentences of any of those guys. He was the first one. And uh, along the way, many have been released. There are more than 100 about to be released in the next few years. It's, uh, it's kind of a phenomenon that's happening without a whole lot of notice. But on Thursday, John Walker Lind is set to walk out of a prison in Terre Haute, Indiana. He'll have served 17 of 20 years of his sentence. Before we talk about that, this is what Mike Spann's father, Johnny, said about his son's death and about what he thinks that John Walker Lind should have faced. He's a traitor, and traitors don't get 20 years sentence. You know, they used to be shot. Kevin, why is Lynn being released and under what conditions? Well, he's uh, conducted himself well in prison, according to the prison bureau. The prison bureau told me that he gets time shaved off for good conduct and for time served. If he had acted out or contacted others with terrorist indications of some kind or another, he would not be getting out now. But he is. And that's what the uh, regulations say is supposed to happen to a federal prisoner. Uh, so he's whether Mike Spann's father is wild about this or not, he's due to get out. The senator in the state where Mike Spann lives in Alabama uh, has asked the president to look into this and has expressed concerns that there's not enough rehab for people coming out of prison. Uh, after having served terrorism-related sentences. There's been no response from the president yet, and the senator did not specifically ask in his correspondence that the sentence be lengthened, uh, but that's where it sits. You can understand that Johnny Spann is not happy about this. Who, who would be happy if your son died? And it was a murky situation over there in Afghanistan. There were indications that charges were being considered uh, against Lynn back when he was on trial for the death of Mike Spann, those charges did not stick. They did not happen. He was never convicted of that. And that would have put him in prison for life, presumably. That would have. Murder would have happened on that one. Okay. So under what conditions is he going to be released? And do we know whether he might return to the Bay Area or to Marin County? It's a bit of a mystery. The, he has three years probation. But realistically, I am told that he will be monitored for the rest of his life. Uh, but the three years of uh, uh, limitations on him mandate that he can't go on the Internet without permission, can't communicate on the Internet in any language other than English. He can't go on social media. He's going to be watched. Uh, one, one of the experts I talked to said he won't be able to tie his shoelaces without someone you know, having a set of eyes on him. It's, it'll be close. He wants to go to Ireland, but he doesn't have an Irish passport. He has citizenship, but he doesn't have the papers. Uh, chances of that happening are dim. Uh, he will be released into Virginia, which is where he was tried. Now, whether he winds up coming back here or not is a matter between the probation officer and him, uh, between his family and him. It's, it's, they're not talking, and so we can't say for sure. What do we know about John Walker Lynn's state of mind? What do we know about what he has been doing uh, in prison? He's been a devout Muslim. He actually sued the prison system a few years back to gain rights for his fellow Muslim prisoners to pray together. Uh, his father has said that he 
religiously studies his religion and that he retains peaceful thoughts uh, about how to practice the teachings of the Quran. And that's about it. He's, he's a bit of a mystery. He really hasn't communicated out much at all from prison. So, you know, it's guesswork. You also report that uh, some intelligence assessments have, uh, have come out over the years about what he's been doing. Yeah, there was a, uh, a, a report in a foreign policy magazine a few years back that said, uh, according to leaked government documents, uh, that uh, Lind was holding to extremist jihadist views. Now, that can be open to interpretation. Uh, we know that until you really see firsthand the documentation, and especially until you talk to the person and see the evidence, you can't conclude anything for sure. That could mean that he was translating Islamist uh, writings for his fellow prisoners, which is one of the accusations in the papers that got leaked. Does that mean he's a jihadist or not? I don't know. And those kinds of sentiments have been at the center of numerous uh, cases that have made their way to court in the last 20 years. Yeah, you uh, reported on one pretty extensively a few years back. Yeah, you're talking about the Hayat case in Lodi, where essentially the, the case starts because the young man at the center of it, Hamid Hayat, you know, was kept what they called a, a jihadi scrapbook, meaning he was following the news closely um, in Pakistan. Um, and so they started to watch him very closely and, and they put a um, an informant alongside him to see if the informant could could kind of tease him out, draw him out and see see if he had any any leanings. And that was the center of a lot of cases that we covered. This is this is kind of a different set of cases about people who go overseas. The John Locker Lynn case. We've seen a lot of those as well. Yeah, you, I'm told that we do a better job of stopping guys before they go overseas now. What we don't do well is rehabilitating them once they've been captured or even stopping people before they go down the road toward terrorism, toward, you know, adhering to some wacky philosophy of, of jihad. Uh, it, there's, there's a lot of concern about that. Uh, the guy in Lodi, it, it wound up being kind of a fuzzy case. It's it, like a lot of these. If, if someone is reading something, does that mean they want to go blow something up? It's, it's tough. With Lind, at least he was enrolled in the Taliban army. Uh, that was what he was doing, as much as you could be enrolled in such a thing back then because it was pretty ragtag. Uh, his case was a, a little clearer on, on the physical element of that. Now, his intention remained fuzzy, and it remains fuzzy to this day in the minds of a lot of people. Have things changed? The, way, the reason that this captured uh, the American imagination back then um, have those conditions changed? I think there's a little less hysteria than there was. Post 9-11, uh, you know, the flags were flapping everywhere, songs on the radio about kicking ass. It was a, a real sense of furor. Uh, and fear. Yeah, and fear. And especially, you know, we, you get an image of a guy who looks like, like I said, like the Unabomber on TV, and you think, my God, the you know, the hordes are going to be coming for us. There was, there was terror about terrorism. And that was stoked by many things. I mean, we had a, a color-coded system that was being broadcast by the federal government about how much on alert we should be. Should it be red alert, yellow alert? It, it was all 
it was all balled up into this this huge rolling mess of of bad feelings and a and a need to get revenge and a need to kill the people who were trying to kill us that went on for years i'd say that that mentality has declined somewhat uh it's it's become different uh, a lot of people think there's some racist elements that have been added in in recent years. Uh, there's still fear. I mean, we still have terrorist organizations, and at any moment you get the feeling that things could kick up again. I mean, we have attacks on our own homeland. Those were not happening back then except for 9-11. It's, it has been a little bit different, but in that initial period when John Walker Lynn popped up, boy, it was, uh, you know, fist in the air, scream. Yeah, and that gets us back to your story where you talk about whether um, whether the U.S. has systems in place for dealing with people who might be radicalized in some way as they try to re-enter society. Um, first of all, you know, do we have systems in place? And second of all, do we need special systems, you know, just for people who might have uh, radical Muslim theology when people commit violence of all stripes? Oh, yeah, they we need more monitoring of all types of terrorists, right wing, left wing, white nationalists, uh, you know, Islamist, jihadists, you name it. It's, it's all bad. And the experts say that we don't do enough monitoring and enough intervention. There's a lot of thought that the best way to prevent homegrown terrorists from developing is to, to get on it early through the FBI, which does monitor a lot of stuff, and then get the the, the family, the religious leaders, the uh, community leaders, social workers, counselors involved to do what counselors call a wraparound approach into helping someone veer away from that. Because wanting to go out and slaughter people in the name of religion is not a healthy way to think. And you can be convinced that that's not healthy, but someone has to convince you. So all these years later, John Walker Lynn is going to be released. The, the two sides, the feeling by his family that he was miscast in this case, and then the, obviously the understandable hard feelings by the Spann family. Are we any closer to resolution of that, or are we still uh, in an extremely tense debate there? It's tense and it's painful. The, the father in particular and, and his mother and, and, and I talked back then, and we've corresponded sporadically over the years. The the certitude by Frank Lind, John Walker Lind's father, that his son was nothing but a misguided kid who got too deep into the religious studies and then wound up by circumstance bumbling his way into the Taliban army has never faded. He thinks his kid really did nothing wrong. And indeed, uh, court testimony showed that he never fired a single bullet at anyone in American forces which is why he was not charged with fighting American forces. It's, a, uh, it, it's tough, though, when you, you know, given the whole environment and the background and the awareness of terrorism, to convince the entire American public that this guy who was carrying a gun with the hated Taliban uh, was just a good kid. Yeah, and Johnny Spann's son is still dead, and to him, this is a clear life sentence, and he... And he still doesn't understand why we could be talking about the release of uh, of John Walker Lynn. 
Yeah. And his, his senator in Alabama, Senator Shelby, uh, believes that this guy should not get out. But so far, the Bureau of Federal Prison Terms has its rules and rules are rules. All right, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, coming in and sharing that. Um, you'll be, uh, I assume, following uh, the story as it uh, moves along. Oh, yeah, we'll see. It may get up and walk around a little bit. But uh, for now, he's getting out on Thursday. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.